Hello, friends, and welcome back. We are in the midst of our series for a time such as this. And in this series, we have been looking at the question of what do you do when life hasn't gone in the direction you hoped or wanted it to go? And there's nothing you can do to change your circumstance. The question we'd be looking at is what do you do when it feels like there's nothing you can do? Man, what a question. And until we run into a difficult, life-changing or confusing situation, we actually don't really ask ourselves this question, do we? Now, when we do get into these situations, there's different reasons for them and there's different, and people experience them differently. But let's be honest. The reality is that some things do have a cause and effect. Choices do have repercussions and results. So much of things we do have positive and negative outcomes. Because of that reality, because of that truth, we assign reasons for situations in our life. We try to make sense of reality. And when we feel we do, when we have the ability, when we have the power to explain the situation, we have the power over the situation. I think we don't always say it this way, but reality is that we try to make sense of just about any situation we get ourselves into or see others go through. And sometimes for us, it's easier to see the reason other people have problems. We see the things they did or didn't do, and we say, well, that's why that's happening to them. But when problems come our way, when disaster strikes us, we often say, think, or cry out, why? Why me? I mean, this is the eternal struggle. The wrestling that philosophers, pastors, theologians, scientists, and us, everyday people, have wrestled with. We have wrestled with the question of why do bad things also happen to good people? And even the people in the New Testament did this. Even the friends and followers of Jesus, they looked at something that had happened that wasn't right or something, something that has gone wrong. And they say, wait a second, I've got some questions about this. And so what I want to do, what I want us to look at today is the conversation that Jesus had with a couple of his friends, with a couple of his disciples. And it's found in the book of John, starting in chapter nine. And I think the story is significant because whether we voice these same questions or whether we think them or internally wrestle with them, the important thing I want us to notice today is how Jesus responds to these questions, addressing the deep longings of our hearts. What Jesus says reveals a deep truth about God that helps us navigate and live in a time such as this. Now, as we jump into this passage, we find Jesus walking alongside with his friends, with his students, and they come across a man who has been born blind. And we read, as he went along, as Jesus went along, he saw a man blind from birth. Now his disciples, his students asked him, Rabbi, teacher, who sinned, this man or his parents? Who sinned that he was born blind? Teacher, who sinned? Why would this person be born blind and another person not? There has to be a reason, a fault. Why did this happen? Tell us who is to blame. Now, this might be a bit of an awkward way of asking this question. Uh, it might be even an awkward way of looking at it. But for Jewish people, their understanding of disease, poverty, brokenness was tied to sinfulness. Someone had to do something wrong and because of that, there was a consequence. Someone broke the covenant, broke the promise with God, and therefore the problem exists. 
Now, today, we don't necessarily look at things the same way, but I think we, we still ask these questions in different ways. Why is something bad happening to someone so good? So they ask, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents? Why was he born blind? Now, can we just stop and pause for a second in this moment of the story and recognize the fact that this is probably an extremely uncomfortable or awkward conversation. It's like the disciples are so eager to ask Jesus the question that they forget that, <laughs> that the person is probably right there. The guy they're talking about is sitting right there. I can't help but imagine the blind guy. He's sitting there, he's minding his own business and he hears a few guys walk up and one of them says, teacher, rabbi, this guy is blind. Is it his fault or is it his parents' fault? Who messed up? Who caused this? I mean, think about the story. The guy's probably like, well, you can ask me first of all. And by the way, here, I can hear you. I'm right here. I'm sitting here. So the whole story is a little bit awkward, which always, always gives me some hope for me. Whenever I see the disciples be clumsy like this, it gives me hope when I'm clumsy. But back to the question. I believe we can understand that question, even if we wouldn't think of it in the same terms, we would understand it because they saw something that wasn't supposed to be. Isn't it interesting to just even pause in that moment? When we are confronted with a moment like this, we think of these moments as unjust and unfair. We don't simply explain them away and say, well, that's science, that's genetics, this is biology. There's something in the depths of our hearts that says this isn't fair. Even when we can explain it away. They saw something that wasn't right. It wasn't right as they understood it. And they wanted to know why. And let's be honest, we want to know why. Now, Jesus is faced with this very, very important question. Who did this? Who sinned? Was it the man or was it his parents? And when Jesus heard this question, luckily for us, he didn't say, well, yeah, you guys are at fault. You keep sinning. You keep hurting each other. You keep doing wrong. You keep creating mess in this world. So yeah, it's your fault. No, thankfully he didn't say that. Jesus, God in flesh amongst us, who understood completely the pain and sorrow and the temptations that we all carry, God in that moment said, neither this man nor his parents sinned. So just a note that this is so countercultural. This answer is so countercultural to their belief system. This is shattering answer for them. Now, we don't notice that because we live in a new and a different worldview. We might be even tempted to say, well, yeah, obviously. The reason they ask this is because that's what their religious system, that is what their worldview, that's what their cultural perception has led them to believe. But Jesus is so brilliant in his aligning people back to who and what God is all about. It's like he doesn't even get distracted by the question. I mean, we see hints of this in how Jesus responds. It's like as if he's saying, I understand why you're asking this. I get it, but you're focused on the wrong thing. You want to point the finger. I'm concerned about something very different. And he continues and he says this, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. This happens so that the works of God might be displayed in him for a time such as this. Now, if you read this story before, then you will realize that Jesus actually goes on and performs a miracle. 
and he heals the man of his blindness. But I don't want us to get confused by that miracle because the point of the story is not the miracle, which sounds alarming to hear me say that, right? Isn't Jesus all about miracles? Well, yes and no. Don't miss the point because if the point of the story is the miracle, then what do I do with my story? When healing was not an option, when Jesus didn't swoop in and save the day by fixing everything that was broken. What do you do with your story? What do you do with your job that you lost? With your finances that are a mess? With your family that might be broken? No, the point of the story isn't the miracle in my opinion. The point of the story is the conversation that happens before the miracle. The conversation when Jesus is asked a question that all of us at one point in our lives have wrestled with or asked. And he looks at the question and he says, I get it. I understand. You're focused on who's to blame, on what went wrong, on problem solving, on how to fix it or how to avoid it or how to get out of the situation, how to figure it out. How can we move on? And Jesus says, but you're focused on the wrong part. Jesus points out that he's concerned about God being on display in this man. I, we tend to focus on God being on display in his circumstances. Isn't that true? We focus on the big God moments. So we tend to chase experiences, consume a performance, look for big highs. And Jesus is saying here, I'm concerned on being on display in your life in your every day. My natural inclination is to say, what went wrong? What do I need to fix? God, where are you? How do I figure out this out? Where's the mountaintop? How do I avoid this? God, on the other hand, is more concerned with how he can be on display in you, in me, in all my weakness, in all my brokenness, in all my sickness. Is it possible that God is on display in my life and I don't even see it? I don't even realize it. Is it possible that God is on display in your life and you don't see it? That God could be doing something incredible in this time in you and in me and we don't even know it's happening. Now you have heard, uh, heard that hindsight is twenty twenty, right? We've all heard the saying. And hindsight twenty twenty means this. It means whenever I'm in the middle of a circumstance or a situation, whenever I feel like I'm over my head or something's difficult is going on, it's really difficult for me to see anything good coming from that difficult situation. Because all I can focus on is what's in front of my face, what's in front of me. All I can focus on is the bad that's happening to me because it's our nature just to see what's in front of us. We want to focus on what's wrong. We want to focus on figuring out the problem and asking why is this happening? However, once I step out of the situation and I allow enough distance of time and space to remove me from that difficult situation, I can look back and see how much more clearly things were happening around me. I can look back and say that moment was actually saving me. That moment may have been healing me. That moment was changing me. Even though in that moment, even though in that season, I didn't see anything good happening from it. But now I can see God on display in that moment. That's 2020 vision. When we focus on what's wrong, we lose sight of what's right. When we focus on what's wrong, we lose sight of what God is making right. 
Because whenever we are looking at who's to blame, who's at fault, was it him? Was it her? Was it, was it me? How do I avoid this? How do I fix this? How do I escape this? Whenever we focus on what's wrong, we lose sight of what God is doing in our midst. Now, it's important to recognize the fact that what I feel like needs to be made right and what you feel like needs to be made right may not be what God feels like needs to be made right. When I realized that, it changed everything for me. It changed my heart and it changed my attitude. It changed the way that I saw brokenness in me and around me. I realized, God, you've been on display all along and I didn't even notice it. In a situation that we thought nothing good can come from this, you have been doing good in it and just my eyes have not been adjusted to you because we've been focused somewhere else. Now, my grandpa, and I tell a lot of stories about my family because that's my story. My grandpa, Paul, returned from World War II with a horrible, horrible injury. An artillery shell uh, blew up near him, putting shrapnel through his body, causing him to lose half of his foot and bad injuries that could have taken his life. There's nothing good about that. There's nothing good about war. There's nothing great about that that happened to him. It was awful. But when I asked my grandpa about it, he is honest. He's not happy it happened. He wishes it didn't. But he also calls it a blessing. That's 2020 vision. Why? Why is it a blessing, grandpa? Because it saved him from staying on the front. In his own words, he says, I never had to consider taking someone else's life in war because of this injury. It saved my life and it saved me from some of the horrors of war. So imagine with me for a second. Imagine that you were somehow able to focus less on what went wrong and more on, God, what are you making right in this? I know it's difficult and I know it seems impossible, but God, what are you making right in the midst of these difficult circumstances? How much weight would that lift off our shoulders if you didn't have to play the blame game anymore, if you didn't have to worry what you did or, or didn't do to deserve this, is God mad at you? Is he punishing you? Is he withholding something from you? Is your family cursed? Is this going to go on and on forever? How much pressure would that take off of you if you didn't have to go and drink or do drugs or to try to find a way to escape that pain? How much would it change the way you looked at your family how much would it change how you looked at your job, at your health? How would that change the way you looked at your life if we were somehow able to shift our focus from the wrong in front of us, but to see God in that circumstance? What if the people in your life and they looked at your seemingly insurmountable circumstances that you shouldn't be able to overcome, that you don't deserve, that they would not be able to overcome if they were in your shoes, and instead, they saw God on display in your life. What would that do to their relationship with their Heavenly Father? What would it do to their hope? What would it do to their joy? How would it change their faith if somehow you were able to make it through the other side and say, you know what? This season was difficult. Maybe I'm still in that season. It might still be difficult, but God is on display and God is present with me in this circumstance. Look, I know it's not easy. And I know that so many of your stories are so painful and big. 
But hear me out. I have counseled numerous people. I have listened to so many unjust, unfair stories. So many stories that make you scream. They make you cry out. This isn't fair. This isn't right. How could this be possibly fair? And yet I have seen in so many I have seen them experience the worst the world has to offer and yet somehow recognize God in their life. God who's graciously on display in the middle of all that mess. And I need you to know that no matter how dark it is for you today, no matter how absent God feels, no matter how hopeless you think you are, how close your back is to the wall, I need you to know that you can make it that you can survive this, that God can be on display in a time such as this in your life and you don't have to do it alone. God himself commissioned and released the church into this world. Now the church is just the people, the people who are willing to suffer, who are willing to be wronged, who are willing to love people no matter what, so that God could be on display. And they did this because God became flesh in Jesus and modeled a way of living that made everyone who came near him wonder, what man is this? And they asked this question over and over because in everything he did, in everything that Jesus did, God was on display. And then he invited his followers, knowing that they would mess it up, knowing that they would run away, knowing that they would screw things up, that they would deny him, that they would despise him. And despite of knowing all of these things about them, Despite knowing all of these things about us, he says to us, now go and tell the world about me. Live in any circumstance as God is on display in your life. Whatever season you are finding yourself in, I think that God possibly be giving you a story. He's giving you a story to tell and he's providing an audience to listen. And so no matter what's going on in your life, I want to invite you to slow down for just a moment. I want to imagine with you, what would happen if we realize that God is not absent, that he's not apathetic and he's not angry. He's working in your life. That's what the verse means when we read about he stands at the door and knocks. You know, people often repeat that passage. Jesus stands at the door and knocks. Jesus stands at the door of your heart and knocks because he wants to journey with you in your most difficult moments and in your joys and hopes. And Jesus, after all, uh, after all, he promised that he doesn't leave us alone. He doesn't uh, leave us into this on our own. His own spirit, he promised the spirit to arrive, to empower us, to live in us and to help us. You are not alone, friends. Christ is in you. And his people, the church, the people that want to live on display for God, want to journey with you. We here at Circle as a local church want to journey with you. This is why mentoring is such an important part of who we are. It helps us to see God on display in people's lives. It helps us to find hope and meaning and helps us to align in the way, to live in the way of Jesus. So I want to invite you. If you're not being mentored today, please let us know. Would you take a moment in the chat and let us know that you would like to be mentored? We want to find the right mentor for you. Would you consider mentorship? Friends, God is not absent. He's with us and he wants more for us. He's on display. We just need to see and have eyes to look around 
and notice what he's doing around us. Now, just in, in just a moment, we'll play a song and we'll listen to the band sing and, and, and play to help us consider and think about God's work in our lives, to help us ponder on how God is on display in your lives. And after that song, we will partake in a communion together. Now, the act of communion is a reminder that we are to break bread together. We are to participate in a meal in which the table is open for all. It is an act of remembering that God knew the men in the room with him, knew their faults, their suspicions, their doubts, and yet he broke the bread and shared the drink to remind them of what he was about to do, to remind them that his work will be on display in this meal and in their lives. And that which it represents today, this, this, this meal, that through his sacrifice, through the, the display of complete love for us, the world could be made right in and through Jesus. That one day there'll be no more tears and no more sorrow.